In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This morning we undergo the most emotionally jarring service in the whole church calendar. Under normal circumstances, it begins with a joyful procession, jubilant hymns of praise, and children energetically waving palms. We read about the crowds paving the way for Jesus with their garments, how they praise him as king, the long-awaited son of David, who will restore the fortunes of Zion. For a brief moment, Jesus is actually treated as he should be, celebrated and honored as the long-awaited king. Then the liturgy yanks us from the state of joyful praise and takes a violent turn. Midway through the service, we begin the gruesome story of Jesus' crucifixion and death, when the crowds no longer hail him as the royal son of David, but cry, crucify him. The liturgy compresses the final days of Jesus' life, and we witness the full spectrum of human emotion, from ecstatic praise to murderous shouts. It's particularly strange to enact this service in an empty church. Our readings constantly reference the crowds, the multitudes. I once attended a church where Palm Sunday began in a nearby park, and the whole congregation processed into the church waving palms and singing. And during the reading of the Passion Story, the congregation voiced the words of the angry crowds and shouted from the pews for Jesus' crucifixion. Our liturgy this morning accurately captures the fickleness of our human nature. It reminds us how quickly the voice of praise can turn to cursing. How often do we leave Sunday worship filled with the Holy Spirit and resentfully curse the first driver who cuts us off? It's amazing how we can believe in something with our whole heart one minute and the next minute live as though we never did. We witness something similar happening among Christians as the coronavirus spreads. Although we profess ancient truths about God and the world, we find ourselves living as though Christianity were a nice fiction, better suited for calmer times. We confidently affirm the final two lines of the Nicene Creed every week, that we look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. But we find ourselves living in fear, as if this life were all we'd been promised. I'm not saying Christians should be cavalier in the face of death. We shouldn't disparage God's wonderful gift of life by carelessly neglecting precautions. Last week we read how Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus and then proceeded to raise him from the dead. He didn't say, well, he's better off where he is. Rather, he brought him back to this life. 
Even Jesus himself prays to the Father for the cup of suffering and death to pass from him. This life is a divine gift and must be treated so. Christians should approach this time with caution and respect for the deadly potential of this virus. But we shouldn't live in fear. Fear is from the adversary who revels in our terror and works to sever our relationship with God. Jesus' teaching on fear is simple and straightforward. We are to cast aside our fears and worries and know that he will be with us until the end of the age. He says we shouldn't fear what can destroy the body, but only the one who decides the fate of both body and soul. Although Jesus honored the life of Lazarus with his tears, he told his sister Martha of a new life. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks Martha, Do you believe in this? Do you believe in this? What a perfect question to ask ourselves as we enter Holy Week. Do we believe the dead are raised? Do we believe the penultimate line of the Nicene Creed? Or is it merely a comforting myth that softens the harsh reality of death? St. Paul is quite blunt on this topic and tells the Corinthians that everything hinges on bodily resurrection. If the dead are not raised, he writes, then our faith is futile. And if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. The whole edifice tumbles to the ground if the dead are not raised. The only redeeming value of this nasty virus is the way it makes such questions more pressing. It allows us, as the prayer book eloquently puts it, to perceive how frail and uncertain our life is, so we may apply our hearts unto the heavenly wisdom which leadeth to eternal life. When death becomes less abstract and a real possibility, our trivial concerns fade into the background. We come face to face with our core beliefs and ask whether they are actually true. Can they shoulder the weight of these difficult times? We may find ourselves having less patience for flowery and imprecise interpretations of the resurrection or viewing the resurrection merely as a nice symbol. We want to know whether the resurrection is true in the straightforward, everyday meaning of the word true. If we were in the upper room with the disciples, could we have placed our fingers in Jesus' wounds? This is what we want to know. 
So this morning, I reiterate what the Church has emphatically claimed as true from the very beginning. We resolutely claim that Christ rose bodily from the dead in the clear light of history, and his resurrection became a gateway through death into new life. The Church never saw Christ's resurrection as a miraculous event that happened to one man, it always asserted with confidence that the effects of Christ's resurrection ripple through all creation and through all time. St. Paul writes to the Thessalonians that, Since we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died the promise of resurrection extends to you and me. What does this mean for us as the coronavirus takes hold of our community? What happens when we answer with Martha, Yes, Lord, I do believe, and root our lives in Christ's promise that we will live again? The resurrection releases us from the fear of death and dissipates our anxiety. It allows us to unseat fear as the tyrannical guide for all our actions. Fear has a blinding effect. It's egocentric and always cowers and looks inward. It turns the neighbor we are called to love into a threat and blinds us to their needs. A life rooted in the resurrection glows with a quiet confidence amidst the changes and chances of life. The collective panic engulfing the nation does not unsettle us. We do not fight for groceries. If our behaviors don't align with our core beliefs, then we must ask ourselves, have we ever believed? If we live in fear and anxiety, we must ask ourselves, do we believe the dead are raised? St. Paul writes that not even death can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. There's a power at work that's mightier than earthly decay, and it already lives inside of us. We are not held hostage by the fear of death, because we are more than death through Christ. So let us heed the prayer book's call to perceive how frail and uncertain life is, and enter into the joy, joyful contemplation of those mighty acts whereby God has given us life and immortality. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.